What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Blazers. I am your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Coming to you live Thursday night after the Blazers let one slip away in Game 2. They lost to the Warriors 114-111 in Oracle to go down 2-0 in the series. And this one felt like a game the Blazers could have and should have won. Up 17 in the first half, but you knew that lead wasn't safe. The Warriors come charging back. But up eight with four and a half minutes left. On the road. That's a game you got to find a way to win. If you're going to win this series and shock the world, you needed to steal one of these first two in Oracle. That's the recipe for an upset. And if you were going to steal one, it was this one. So that's what we'll talk about. What happened in game two? What went right? What went wrong? And then we'll look ahead to game three in Portland on Saturday night where the Blazers' season will likely be on the line. So let's start early in this one. I talked a lot in the last podcast about the adjustments I thought the Blazers could make heading into game two. Uh, They gave up too many clean looks to Steph Curry. Uh, They didn't, there were times when they just didn't have enough offensive players on the floor to make Golden State pay for how much pressure they were putting on Damian Lillard. And they pretty much did that. Uh, I thought, uh, I kind of chalked up game one in large parts as sort of a mental fatigue to the Blazers. Just they weren't game plan sharp in that one. They didn't have a ton of time to prepare. And maybe even the things they talked about, they just didn't do well. They were much better at those things in this game. Uh, Steph Curry still went nuts. He finished with 37 on 11 of 22 shooting. But he didn't burn the Blazers from downtown with nine three-pointers like he did in game one. He was only 4 of 14 from deep. Uh, he just didn't get as many wide-open, clean looks as he did in that first game. And they did it with just subtle adjustments. Uh, I think the people, a certain section of, section of the fan base and maybe some media members, uh, thinking that the Blazers would... Uh, drastically overhaul their defense it's it's insane you first of all you can't do that in one day second of all Terry Stouts has built a pretty good defensive scheme and certainly something he trusts he's not going to scrap that after one playoff game against the best team in the world instead you're going to make minor tweaks that's what they did uh, instead of dropping the big man super far back on pick and rolls they they brought him up just a little bit further instead of, and and the way you got to guard Steph isn't you know heels on the three point line but it's maybe heels a step above the three point line because he can shoot from a little further away for the most part that worked Blazers were really good early in this one and they were really good early without Dame doing much he went scoreless in the first quarter but uh they got some nice nice minutes from sort of everyone else. Alfru Camino, three for five. He had nine nine points and five boards in the first quarter. Mo Harkless had eight points in the first quarter. Rodney Hood came in and had made his two shots. Evan Turner had finished that quarter with a little bucket. And the Blazers led by two without Dame really doing and you know, not he didn't do nothing. He played okay, but he wasn't uh he wasn't super aggressive looking for a shot, content to to set up his teammates. And the Blazers built that lead in the second quarter because guys made shots. They had a really good, a really strong shooting first half. Sometimes that's what it takes. They made 11 of 22 threes in the first half. CJ McCollum, who had a really nice first quarter, led, led all scores with 16. And Dame finally got going at the end of the half, hit three threes. Finished the first half with 10 points, six assists, and no turnovers. That was the really big one. The Blazers, who coughed up just an endless run of turnovers in game one, 
were, were pretty, pretty clean with the ball. A couple bad turnovers in the first half, but pretty clean with the ball overall. And that's how they built a 17-point lead and led by 15 at the break. But some of it was kind of unsustainable, and you could you could get a sense of that. You know, they, they had 65 in the first half and were shooting close to 50% from the field and 50% from three. You knew the Warriors were going to come back, and they did it in a way that is... It just reminded you of how good Golden State could be. In a span of 1 minute and 58 seconds in the third quarter, the Warriors ripped off 13 straight points to cut a 15-point lead to two. Terry Stotts had to burn two early timeouts in the third quarter. One when the uh, when Golden State cut the lead to eight, and he's like, "Okay, guys, we got to relax." Blah 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 blah. Blazers come out of that timeout and turn the ball over, give up an eight zero run. He has to call a second timeout. Out of the second timeout, they did set up a nice bucket for CJ. He just missed it. They ended up scoring on the possession, but it, that that sort of spell that that first that two minute burst from the Warriors. Uh, it was fueled certainly by Blazers' turnovers, fueled by the Warriors' commitment to playing really aggressive defense. They did not start Andrew Bogut in the second half. Andrew Bogut is good at passing and being tall. He's not good at anything else, and he shouldn't play over Kevon Looney. But Steve Kerr, for the last five years, has been committed to playing this bizarre center roulette. So I'm going to let my man cook. He's won a lot of championships. Um, but yeah, he just he's Kevon Looney's their best center. Play him, Steve. Just play him. Kevon Looney started the second half. I thought his defense mattered in that second half because he's a much more mobile defender, a little better on switches, a little better in those traps. Can't bully him as much as you can Bogut. And that third quarter was kind of a nightmare for the Blazers. Uh, you know, they weren't awful. I, I don't I don't want to suggest that they were super, super awful, but they gave up 39 points. They turned the ball over just seven times total in the first half. They turned the ball over five times in the in the third quarter alone. They gave up 13 points off those turnovers. Let the Warriors hit some transition threes. Klay Thompson hit three threes in the quarter. He was really good. Splash Brothers really carried that uh, that load while they were coming back in the game. And the sort of defensive attention that I thought the Blazers did so well in that first half when they were so attentive on defense, uh, you know, really getting up in in. Curry's airspace. Uh, the other minor adjustment they made, something that you don't see them do very often, is they were more willing to switch off-ball actions, switching screens off the ball and, and cuts off the ball. Uh, Terry Stotts has, for the most part, been against that in his defensive scheme over the years. In fact, when he first sort of installed this scheme, which was during the 2014-15 season, one of his big things was they, they didn't want to switch off the ball because they don't want to get caught scrambling in rotations and things like that. They just kind of want to stay home and play a fairly conservative defense. You know, we've seen that now for five seasons, some look of this. But tonight, uh, they were much more willing to switch stuff off the ball. Uh, it helps uh, because they've got guys who've played together a long time. Uh, they've played the Warriors a bunch, so they're familiar with sort of what their actions look like. Warriors took advantage of it a handful of times with little split cuts where guys would look like they're going to go up top and or, you know, come for a dribble handoff and just go back door. Uh, Draymond Green's passing is really valuable there. Andre Iguodala's passing is really valuable there. And just the the gravity that Steph and Clay have moving around can take advantage of teams that are trying to just switch every single action. But I think that little tweak helped them. I think the other little tweaks helped them. And beyond a third quarter when they just couldn't stop the Warriors and they turned the ball over too much, they were right in it. And instead of down six, heading in the fourth quarter, playing terribly and feeling like, I guess we're still in it, like they had in game one, 
they probably played pretty well and felt like, listen, we can win this game in the fourth quarter. That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. What went wrong in that fourth quarter? How the Blazers ended up losing this game and, and, and kind of what I would read as the fallout from an emotional loss like this. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys all about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter is just a great job source. It sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. It's 24 hours for those of you counting at home. So right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on that's ziprecruiter.com slash l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n that's ziprecruiter.com slash locked on ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire all right welcome back so we talked about the blazers adjustments we talked a little bit about blazers blowing a 17 point lead although blowing i feel like is an overstatement like you if you've watched this Warriors team enough, which I feel like if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably seen this Warriors script before. They just, they have too much firepower. They're too good defensively to really be able to bury them with a double digit lead in the first half, even 17. You knew this was coming. You knew the Blazers were going to have to win this game in crunch time and they didn't. So what I want to do is walk through the tail of the fourth quarter. What I think happened. One thing that happened That was curious that I don't think anyone, not many of us could have seen coming, is that Myers Leonard played the entire fourth quarter. And I think it's notable not that Myers Leonard played the entire fourth quarter because Terry Stotts has buried him on the bench for seasons and seasons and seasons, but because Myers was the first guy off the bench in the first quarter. And he immediately struggled in that first shift. He missed a defensive rebound that that Kevon Looney corralled and ended up a Clay Thompson bucket. He got called for a moving screen. He got uh, he didn't get high enough on a Curry pick and roll, and Curry hit a three-pointer, and Stotts took an immediate timeout and went to go yell at Myers Leonard in a way that uh, Stotts doesn't usually yell at many other players, but Myers holds a special place in his frustrated heart. But Myers played really well in the fourth quarter. Uh, his size was really valuable on screens. He ran a lot of dribble hand, handoffs with Dame. He's probably better at those handoffs than uh, than Cantor. And Myers had to play because Zach Collins was had a, a truly nightmare game. I thought Collins would be a key in this series. Tonight he came in and committed five fouls in eight minutes, did not attempt a shot, did not a grab a rebound. He pretty much just fouled. This was as bad as that was as bad as as Zach can play. And Cantor's defensive limitations, while he, was, he wasn't he was terrible in this game, I, I think the plus, his plus-minus actually would, he's ended up plus four in 19 minutes. Like, they didn't take advantage of him. 
But he wasn't a good answer. Myers was a better answer. First of all, his ability to shoot uh, at least changes the way teams have to think about defending him, although I don't I don't think teams exactly like scheme and chase Myers off the three-point line, but they know he can shoot, so it changes the way you have to guard things. He's just a huge dude. He can set screens. Uh, he was The Blazers, they tried a small lineup a little bit in the third quarter where Mo Harkless was the biggest guy on the court playing center. Uh, I thought it was an interesting wrinkle from Stotts, an interesting thing, but it just didn't work out. They got killed on the offensive glass. Gave up not a ton of second-chance points, but just a ton of second opportunities to to Golden State uh, with with Mo and Evan Turner in there, they just those guys aren't used to being the the person who has to seal box out and go get rebounds in the same way. You know, Mo Harkless is a good defensive rebounder, but not like that. Not like a he, he doesn't box out and take up you know eat up two two guys so his people can go get rebounds. It's, it, that's not what he is. So so you knew Stotts had to go back to a center of some variety, and it was Myers. And I thought it was notable that Myers um, he looked pissed when he left the game. Quite honestly. Uh, probably mad at himself because he didn't play well, probably mad at Terry because uh, Myers has the shortest leash on the team by far. But he came back in after a terrible five-minute shift, and he was really good in the fourth quarter. The Blazers only scored 22 points in the final frame. 22. Myers had seven of them. He also grabbed five boards. He was good. In fact... His three-pointer with four and a half minutes left put the Blazers up eight. And this is where things really went wrong for him. After that play, Draymond Green grabbed the rebound or got the inbounds pass and just just was gone. Pushed the other way hard in transition when they didn't pick him up. Bang. 14 seconds later, he's making a layup and all of a sudden it's a six-point game. And that kind of set the tone for what it was going to be like. If the Blazers were going to win this game, they were going to have to win it. And instead, over the final four minutes, they got the game taken from them. And they got it taken from them quite literally in the closing seconds when Andre Iguodala stole the ball from Damian Lillard, stripped him. Uh, saw a lot of people complaining about a foul. It probably was a foul. Also, I think Dame kind of hooked him too. Um, they, the Blazers didn't lose the game because Andre Iguodala wasn't, wasn't called for a foul with four seconds left. They lost the game because of the previous four minutes and because C.J. McCollum missed three really makeable shots in those final four minutes. The first came with about four minutes left after that Draymond quick layup. Then the next possession, they ran a pick and roll. Myers Leonard caught the ball on the left block and made just a fantastic pass. The type of pass that I know Myers can see, but I don't know if he can always make. And sometimes he can't, if he sees it, everyone else does. But this was just a great cross-court skip pass right into CJ McCollum's shooting pocket. He's on the right wing, lines it up. Would have put the Blazers back up eight. Clangs. And the Warriors come down the other way. And this was the kind of the theme of what I thought the, the Warriors did really well down, down the stretch. They leaned on the Steph Curry, Draymond Green pick and roll uh, or dribble handoffs, you know, those screen actions with those two guys. And they just leveraged how much attention Steph Curry gets into getting either easy buckets for, for other guys or getting Draymond Green in space where, where guys have to make a choice. Our guy's going to come to the ball. 
and shut down my little drive or are they going to stay home on the on a cutter or, or someone going up for a lob and Draymond Green's a great decision maker great passer he had a fantastic night Draymond Green was really really good I'll read you a stat line real quick 16 points 10 boards 7 assists 5 blocks did turn the ball over 5 times to commit 5 fouls um, but he's 8 of 12 from the floor missed his only 3 he took wide open but he you know he, he just he was fantastic and he was really good in that fourth quarter. And following uh, that CJ miss that I described, they set a little, he was playing kind of like the point guardy role, you know, initiating the action. They set a little screen. Two guys chase Curry. Draymond Green just makes a perfect pass. Andrea Godala gets a dunk. That's just what they did. They just, they just leveraged Steph Curry's, all the attention he's going to get into into easy buckets for other guys. Kevon Looney got two two lobs out of it. Andre Godala got a layup out of it. But yet, you know, I'm talking all about all the things the Warriors did. The Blazers held on to the lead until the two-minute mark. When Dame got called for a tough shooting foul on Steph Curry, I think it was a foul. I also think Steph Curry's really good at drawing that specific type of foul, and he made sure that when he went up, he was going to get contact, and he did. ESPN, the broadcast, showed that he has not missed a free throw in the fourth quarter or overtime of a playoff game since 2015. He cashed in on all three free throws, and the Warriors went from down one to up two with two minutes left. And still, the Blazers haven't played particularly well. They're not getting a ton of production from guys. Um, Dame, who who had some nice moments, just still hasn't figured out all the the sort of the physical defenders and and all the all the bodies he's seeing. Um, this is a really good defensive team, and they're doing a really good job on him. But the Blazers, they're still in this. They're still right here in this game, down two with two minutes left. And what looked at a crucial, like a crucial, crucial play at a time with a minute left, Dame missed a three, stepped into a three. Uh, it, it came up short off the front rim. Evan Turner tapped the ball uh, to keep it alive. CJ McCollum chased down the sort of loose ball bouncing on the free throw line, pitched it to Seth Curry, who steps into a monster three. Haven't mentioned Seth Curry's name yet, and that's my bad. Seth Curry was great in this game. Just great. 29 minutes, 5 of 9 from the floor, hit 4 of 7 threes, 16 points. His team high plus 13. He guarded Steph Curry a bunch, guarded his brother a bunch, came away with some great steals. Uh, All year long, Seth Curry has been a better defender than I thought he would be. In this game, it showed up again. He just had a couple good deflections, a couple nice steals. Uh, Apologies for not getting to him earlier. He had four steals in this game and another, almost a fifth one, but he couldn't corral the loose ball on the sidelines late. But he steps into that three-pointer with a minute left, and you think, maybe the Blazers are going to do this. Except the Warriors came down and did what they do again. Steph and Draymond pick and roll. Draymond gets in the paint, throws up the second of two lobs to Kevon Looney that he had. Warriors back up one. But the Blazers have played so many of these games where they've just needed a bucket, and they've gone to CJ McCollum. Over the last two weeks, he's been so, so good. You know, Dame didn't have a great shooting series, didn't have a great offensive series against Denver. CJ was the star. He was probably their best player in that series, just straight up. 
And the Blazers got them him the ball again with a, a down one with a minute left, and he he came up short on a floater. Words go quickly the other way. Blazers decide not to foul with 30 seconds left. And they run another Steph and Draymond pick and roll, and, and Draymond scores again to put the Blazers or put the Warriors up three. That leads to the final sequence where Dame can't get a shot off. He's trying to work one-on-one against Andre Iguodala. Iguodala comes away with a strip. Ball game. And a crushing loss, quite honestly, for the Blazers. A crushing loss. Because this is the one that they had. In that fourth quarter, the Blazers scored 22 points. Damian Lillard had six. Myers Leonard had seven. Seth Curry had nine, making all three of his threes. Nobody else scored. CJ went over six and over three from three. Evan Turner over two. He played 11 minutes of that fourth quarter. We got a little bit of a Rodney Hood cameo at the end, although it was mostly just Dame, CJ, Seth Curry, E.T., and Myers Leonard, but we got a little bit of Rodney Hood late. He misses only shot he took. And that was that. Blazers go, you know, eight for twenty-three in the third in the fourth quarter. I think that shooting is propped up mostly because they were five of fourteen from three. You know, they were just they were taking three pointers. CJ missed three makeable threes in the fourth. If he hits those, this one feels a lot different. Two of them, like, really, really quality looks that he just missed. And to me, it just feels like there's no way the Blazers get a better shot than this in Oracle. They might win both games in the Moda Center and go back game 5-2-2. Like, they're going to play these guys tough. They're not going to wilt. It's not their M.O. But to if you're going to win this series, you you needed to go on the road and steal one of these first two games. And this one was there for the taking, and the champs were the one who took it. When we get back for the third segment, I want to talk about what the Blazers need to do to bounce back in Game 3, and can they do it? Stick with me. Welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. In the history of the NBA, teams that fall down 0-2 in the series are 20 and 282. Teams with a 2-0 lead... NBA series have won 93% of the best of seven series. It's, uh, it's not great odds for the Blazers. I think there's some reason to be optimistic. Uh, one, they play better at home. Two, I think they found some things that work in this game. I think, uh, Myers Leonard, specifically in those minutes with Kevon Looney, has some value. Uh, I think just playing three guards and letting Seth Curry play a bunch on the wing with Damon CJ has some real value. I think the defensive attention they played in Game 2 at least provided a basic blueprint for what this team needs to do or wants to do. Like, I'm talking about them playing good defense against Steph Curry a bunch, obviously. And the dude went for 37. So it's relative, <laughs> admittedly. But 
I think they figured some things out. It's I don't have the same feeling that I did after game six against the, the Nuggets, where it just seemed like the Blazers figured out their best lineup and a lineup that was that could deal with what the Nuggets do best. I don't think the the Blazers have that in their bag. I think what this game came down to and what you would hope the future wins of theirs would look like is you, you shoot well, you play, en- you play enough defensive attention to the Stars to make it tough, and down the stretch, if you keep yourself in the game, that your Stars play like Stars. C.J. McCollum hits one of those threes, it's a different game. He hits two of those threes, the Blazers are winners. Straight up. They're winners. And I guess the other silver lining is that it increasingly sounds like Kevin Durant will not be available for games three and four. And anytime someone who is maybe the best player in the world is not suiting up for the opponent, it's probably good news for those in the Blazers locker room. So I, you know, I think the the adjustments after game one were obvious. I think why I have some concern now heading into game three is I don't think the adjustments are so obvious. I think the Blazers made the adjustments that they can make. They played a lot better in game two. They proved that they're you know, close. They're kind of close with this team. You know, they played terrible in game one, and they were kind of in it until the last nine minutes. But the Warriors come in an avalanche. Sometimes it comes all at once. In fact, my criticism of Golden State has been that they only try to beat a team to the absolute point where they have to. They they They... At least this season, they don't just bury teams and demoralize them. They kind of just try to play to the absolute limit of what they need to do to win, and then it's over. I don't think we've necessarily seen that trait in games one and two. I think the Houston series kind of woke up a maybe bored or listless team, a team that suffers from a little bit of malaise. I think the Kevin Durant injury forces them to focus a little bit more, so I don't think we'll see that necessarily. But they still beat teams with an avalanche, a quick onslaught, a minute and 58 seconds where they go on a 13-0 run, a four-minute burst at the end of the game where they go from down eight to in control. And sure, they got a handful of favorable calls. They challenge some shots at the rim that maybe get called fouls. Maybe Andre Godala fouls Dame at the end of the game. But the Blazers didn't lose the game because the refs swallowed their whistle or anything like that. They lost the game because the Warriors have a gear that I'm not sure Portland has. But when Golden State is revving in sort of second and third gear and the Blazers are making it tough on them, I think Portland has proven in these first two games that they can hang with them. And I think that can be reason for optimism alone. I also think the Myers-Leonard thing worked. And he's maybe only their second best option at center. Like, I still think it's Zach Collins. And I don't think Zach Collins can play much worse than he did tonight. So I think the Blazers have a couple more answers. Uh, Alfredo Camino and Mo Harkless started pretty well in this game, and I think that's why Terry stuck with them in the second half. They Neither of them played particularly well after halftime. Uh, I don't... like Same with the defensive thing. Like He's going to stick with what he sticks with. Uh, Amino only played five minutes in the second half, Didn't do, literally didn't do anything. No, zeros in the box score. And the Blazers were outscored by 12 minutes and 12 points in those five minutes because that's when the Warriors put the put the clamps on them. 
after finishing after scoring eight points in the first quarter, Mo only had four in the second half. All of them came in the third quarter. He didn't really play down the stretch. So I think that was if if that's the adjustment you think is coming, I don't think it is. I think those dudes play less. I'm not sure they come out of the starting lineup. Rodney Hood, who had been so good, was not particularly good in this game. And why I'm kind of just shuffling between sort of like wings who are good and wings who are bad, because I, I think that's some of the, the challenge against this team is figuring out what the combinations are. I think Seth Curry is, is a guy who works and can play with both other guards. Uh, I would have maybe played Rodney Hood over Evan Turner down the stretch there, play him at power forward. Turner's a, uh, a little bit better screener and better um, facilitator out of those screens than Hood is, but Hood's offense is really valuable. And they only scored 22 points. They could have used a little more offense. So I think there's still some personnel things, although I don't think uh, I don't think a change in the starting lineup is coming. It's just not who Terry is. But increasingly, those Chief and Mo are both getting their, their minutes hacked away. Saturday night, I said it would be really fun if Saturday night in... Uh, in the Moda Center, the Blazers were, it was tied 1-1, and the Blazers had a chance to go up 2-1 in the series. I have no doubt it'll still be very fun there. These Blazer fans have not seen a home Western Conference Finals game since the year 2000. Should be still a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate all you guys for listening. As always, tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. If you enjoy this podcast, they will too. Tell them to find it wherever they get podcasts. Google Play, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Stitcher, and it's also streaming on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon.